and the Hamilton. views and opinions expressed on this show are entirely those of the host, guests, and callers who are entirely responsible for all show content and do not reflect the opinions of WNJHradio.com. This program is not intended to diagnose any condition or promote any lifestyle. And now, WNJHradio.com presents The Carpenter's Son with Pastor Vince Lombardo from Calvary Chapel Church in Hamilton. Hey guys, thank you so much for joining us. This is The Carpenter's Son. I am Vince Lombardo and I am here with two special guests. Uh, to my stage right, I have Joseph Montalbano. Uh, he is a man who has years of wisdom and he's going to share some insights this evening. And to my left, I have my son Vincent who is always a fan favorite. He has uh, uh, witty things to say and I love listening to a different perspective. I mean, he's half my age, and it's nice to have a, a different perspective. About a third. So, <laughs> as we're making some adjustments here to the Facebook page, I want to invite you to call in should you decide you would like to be involved in this. We have the ability for you to call in, and our phone number here is area code. 609-593-9654. Again, 609-593-9654. You can also text us at 856-718-9928. 856-718-9928. Uh, as always, we're going to begin with a word of prayer. Will you join us? Father, we come to you. You're the wise God. We come to you. You're the one who is the author, the finisher of our faith. We rely on you. We ask you to even uh, this evening uh, help us to say things that are going to be edifying to one another, encouraging to people, and certainly truthful, and lift up Jesus Christ high where he belongs. So help us to do that, and to do that with a, uh, an opportunity yeah, to discuss yeah. these things and bring glory to Christ alone. In his wonderful name, amen. amen. So we have several things amen. going on this evening. One oh, of I thing, heard an amen in the background. We have a oh. caller already. Uh, one of our normal guests is uh, Dr. Kenneth Irvis, and Dr. Irvis is not able to be with us in the flesh, but he is here with us on the phone. Hi, Doc. How are you? <laughs> okay, hanging in there, getting better day by day. Good, good. Tell everybody, if you choose to, uh, what you're going through, should you decide to do that. Well, uh, it looks like I have the ultimate combination of the flu and COVID, more the flu. I thought I took a flu shot, but obviously it didn't work. The flu shot didn't work? So, I, no. I, I'm reserving all comments. I'm just... Wow. <laughs> just, our, our poster child out there. and I'm just reiterating what it is that I just heard you say. So you, you had the flu shot, but now you have the flu, and you have COVID. Yeah. So is that called fluvid? <laughs> I'm yeah, sorry. that would be that would be that would be an excellent name for that. Fluvid <laughs> would be that is quite imaginative and accurate. There you go. Now, could you tell the difference between main, the two? Um, well, with COVID, you usually there's a, a loss of smell, a uh, loss of taste, a difficulty taking deep breaths, a super easy fatigue. Um, so you had all that? You take a f no, I didn't. Oh. What I had was fevers and chills, okay. like the flu. <laughs> okay. The main thing was the flu that hit me, and that's why I'm staying away from everybody. I can handle 
you know, the COVID, what to do with that. With the flu, I don't want anybody to catch what I caught. On behalf of everybody, we thank you. Yeah. 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 We do think. <laughs> yeah. But really you're you know, you're part of the family, so if there's anything we can do for you, we'd be happy to. I know. I know. I brought and you food one day. Him. Yes, you did. Yeah. He rejected my yes, advances. You did. <laughs> <laughs> so you're doing you're doing better that. than I mean you, you this is going on two weeks now. Oh. Right? Yeah. I just want to make extra sure that when I come back, I'm not damaging anybody. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, thanks. I appreciate yeah. it. So, hey, yeah, Doc, it's good to hear from you. Do you have a question or a comment? Or are you just hanging in no, there till we I'm say something? Gonna, I'm just hanging in there till you say something. But uh, uh, your lesson for today about the attributes of God, and that is what the lesson is today, right? Correct. Uh, that is a almost infinitely deep, <laughs> Bible study. I mean, isn't that amazing? It's one of those things that once you get started, yes. you keep digging. You keep, you just keep digging. You just keep digging. It's like, so we're we going to take one attribute a week. <laughs> well, we're probably going to look at uh, we're going to look at in a general overview of some of the attributes. What that means uh, to be an attribute, mm-hmm. you know, by definition, an attribute is something that is a characteristic of. You know, something mm-hmm. to break it down. It's something to be attributed to. When you think of God, what do you think of? Well, this is how God defines himself, describes himself, mm-hmm. is described mm-hmm. by the Word of God, is described by others. Because cool. when you do an in-depth study, one of the things that I find is that more than just finding uh, the names of God, but many of the names of God are names that people gave to him. I named God the God who sees. I named God. Mm-hmm. It just says, now I know that my Lord God hears, so I will call God the mm-hmm. God who hears. It's wonderful, and it's amazing, mm-hmm. you know, inspired by the Holy Spirit. But there are very few things that God says about himself. Most are just descriptors of people who have <laughs> noticed these attributes about mm-hmm. God. So, Chen's. Do you have any exciting comments concerning some of the attributes of God, something that has been personally impacting to you? Uh, for myself, the most recent one was filling in for you, whatever it was, two Wednesdays ago now. I dove in on the idea of God's faithfulness, and one of the attributes is how like, it's an impressive and wonderful thing about God is that he can't fail. Not only does he not fail, he cannot fail, because it's not who he is, and that's a wonderful reassuring thing, and we we discussed in God's faithfulness, you know, he assimilates himself often to things that we we can grasp with our own two hands and our eyes, and the one that stuck out to me the most in faithfulness was as a faithful father, you know, the parent figure that's just always there for you when you call with whatever your struggle is, that always wants your best even when it doesn't look like it to you, it's still being worked out for your betterment, and I think that's one of those wonderful things that describes uh, God and who he is, is just the way he's always faithful, that uh, not only can't he fail, he will not fail, and and uh, we, we can have absolute trust in that, and it's an, it's an incredible thing when you really just take that to heart and make the decision to say, you know what, I can trust the God who will never fail. You know, when I was younger, I had a, I had a father who was a great dad, and because he was a great dad, uh, there were things that I just took for granted. You know, uh, it was completely reliable. I never had to worry about 
whether the heat was going to work in the wintertime. I never had to worry about whether there was going to be food on the table. I know we grew up uh, fairly poor, but there were things I didn't have to worry about. You know, I didn't, I didn't have to worry about... What's that? Uh, you ate? Not yeah. a, didn't have yeah. a problem with food? Right? We ate, and, uh, you know, we had, we had I'll call it a, a very good life. You know, there wasn't always extra, but there was always sufficient. There was always enough. Yeah, there was always enough. enough. Uh, you don't realize that, you know, dad was probably doing without, maybe mom was doing without, in order for that to be the case. But I knew that everything was going to be taken care of. I didn't have to worry about it. You know, school was just one of those things I got to whine and complain about. Do I have to? Do I have to do that? And then when you get older, you realize what a great privilege it is to have all those things taken care of for you. So I was free to do what I needed to do. Early on is just take care of the responsibilities I had, which were small, taking out did the trash have, and mowing the grass. Did you have more responsibilities than you, sh- than you uh, gave Vincent growing up? Was it different? Or did you, not that we're going to go off on that tangent, but. No, it's fine. But um, Vincent had Vincent had much more responsibility in those areas than I, because our life was radically different. I was in ministry when Vincent was young, so his life revolved around ministry. So even though he didn't necessarily have the tasks of uh, taking out the trash, although that was his chore was taking out the trash, um, oftentimes it was taking out the trash and painting Sunday school classrooms or vacuuming water up in the <laughs> right. basement at the church. Yeah, we did that a few times. Right? Yeah, or whatever, because <laughs> wherever I was, he was with me. So his his free time was taken up by, well, we'll call it ministry, but it's, it's work. You know, it was for him, um, looking back, he could say, yes, I've been involved in ministry since I was old enough to sit in you know, dad's van and go and do these things, but it was work. He was always there doing something. So even though he may not have necessarily been set chores, when you're a pastor of a church and the church is, especially when it's small and it's growing, everything is your responsibility. Amen. So Boy, if the... It's if a, really better now. <laughs> yeah. If a, if a bird gets into the attic... We had bats. You oh, have to get them out. We had bats. Bat Barry and I got the, the bats out. Got the bats out. It wasn't upstairs. once for bats in those attic. <laughs> right. Now, you talked about that you were going somewhere with that. Your, your father, you felt um, you, your father here didn't fail you. Is that where you're going? Ever. At? He never, and he never made me feel guilty about it. He never made me feel as though he's going out of his way. Don't you know I work 47 hours a day just to make sure you appreciate? He never did that. It was always, I knew my dad was a wonderful guy. He worked hard. When he came home from work, I untied his shoes because he would sit down in a chair and he was tired. I'd untie his shoes and help him take his work boots off. Yeah. It was just one of the pull things. pull his toes? That, what's that? My father had to pull his toes and put <laughs> I, uh, ointment on it. But anyway, we won't go there. Just real you know, quick. Maybe I had a better dad because I didn't have to pull his <laughs> yeah, toes. Vincent, did you, did, <laughs> did you feel you grew up the same way your father's growing up as an Not unfailing father? Nope. Oh, yes. Oh, in that aspect, yeah. Yes. But our lives were radically different. Like he said, he of used course, to tell me stories, and I'm like, I never had to experience that, thank right. goodness. But the unfailing know, part, oh, you know, we all feel or believe our, our fathers didn't fail us. We know it's— Go ahead. It's a demonstration, like, I, I love, like I said, I love that God paints it as a relatable picture, because, like, mm-hmm. for as great and unfailing as our earthly fathers are, they have failed us. It doesn't matter who you are, they have failed you. Whether we remember so, it or not. Yeah. <laughs> Did you, know, you get G.I. Joe with the Kung Fu grip? I didn't, so I, well, anyway. 
If I wanted GI Joe with the Kung Fu grip, you had to work more there hours. was this thing called work, work, <laughs> and I could get GI Joe with any Kung Fu grip choice option I wanted. Right. Yeah, but he sets that example, and in a in a good way, it's a reminder that even though your earthly father will and can fail you, he will not. So he sets that as an example because that in in life in general, that's probably the most faithful relationship you can have. Now speaking. Exclusively on behalf of... Or mother. Yeah, exclusively on behalf of someone that had a wonderful childhood with faithful parents, you know. That's not what you said. I'm trying to be nice here. (laughs) 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 But if we, you know... I'm sure people, whoever your your leading role model was or your prime example in your life, the person that you think, quote-unquote, raised you, whoever that is, I have plenty of people that do not have a biological father or I have plenty of people that don't have that, but this is the person they look up to. It's that same aspect with the relationship. Like, no matter how great, no matter how faithful, no matter how wonderful, they have... I'm sure they have let you down. They have. I have been let down. Everyone in this room has been let down by their father or someone that they thought was the closest. So when you look at those as earthly examples, it's it's a reminder that like, wow, that is the greatest example I have. And God gets to stand there and say, but I'm better. Trust me so more you, than that. And, and we it, can relate that all back to love because we know God doesn't fail us because he loves us and he can't fail us, of course, like mm-hmm. you said. So when we look at our People that we have in our past that raised us, a father, a mother, my father was raised by his grandmother, and a lot of that goes on, as you know. We overlook a lot of stuff or don't remember it because of the love they showed for us in the faithfulness that they tried to be for us. Yeah, I took the uh, approach when we did Wednesday, when I filled in. The approach was looking at it. I started all the way back in Genesis, and we look and we see lifetime after lifetime after lifetime after lifetime of God's faithfulness to people, and we never even left Genesis. We barely left the first yeah, couple I chapters. Was listening. Yep. And you sit yep. there and you're like, we're barely out of here, and we're talking about some spiritual giants. We're talking about some people that really understood that act attribute of God, that God is faithful. You know, the prime example I always lean on is Joseph. I love the story of Joseph in the towards the end of Genesis where he's sitting there discussing, or the Bible is reading out the idea that like he's captive, beaten, thrown in jail, sold as a slave, accused by his boss's wife, thrown in jail, left there for years and forgotten. All along the way, he is remaining faithful, right. and he is trusting God because he knows that despite all those circumstances that most of us haven't had to experience, and if we have, you could probably pick one of those you've experienced, and, probably not all 87, and, that goes- and you just see that he remained faithful to God in response to God's faithfulness that he's seen generation after generation, how much more should we be able to do that after seeing all 66 completed books full of lifetimes and thousands of years? That goes back to the attributes of God also, because when we see as we're growing up or as we're living and knowing God as a, and Jesus Christ as our Savior, or as they did back there before Jesus was our Savior, it was the attributes of God that influenced them to be who they were. Wouldn't you agree? When you look back at Joseph and you look back at all the greats, let's say, David, yeah. it's because of the God, the God they knew and the attributes they saw in God is what influenced them to be the men and women that they were back then. Wouldn't you say that? I think exactly that's what Vincent was saying, that right. God initiated and these men responded. Right. Since God demonstrated his faithfulness, they had the confidence to be able to say, I can respond to that. Mm-hmm. And because I respond to that, they demonstrate great faithfulness, and others respond to that. Mm-hmm. So that when we, specifically when you get to the, you know, the responsibility of husbands and fathers, because I mean, we're men here tonight, so let's talk about husbands and fathers. On uh, National Women's Day. Today's National Women's Day? Yes. Well, then there's not a better day for men to be better men. 
mm-hmm. there's not a better day for men to be better husbands. Right. So if you want to be a, a, a good example, then get to acknowledge, grow in the depth and the wonderfulness of God's faithfulness and respond to it. And as we respond to it, become definitively faithful in our relationships and watch others respond to us. You see, as husbands, we're given the responsibility because we are the bride of Christ. We are to respond to his love. His love is never failing. We are to love our brides, brides as Christ loved the church. It was in, May I interject here? You know what, Doc? Go right ahead. Yeah. What you are describing and have been describing wonderfully is relationship. There was a relationship between you and your dad. There's a relationship between you and your heavenly father. He gives you enough information, and he shows enough love in the circumstances in your life that you trust him. And that's what he wants to do for everyone. So what we're describing here as an attribute of that we share with God is relationship, and it, it especially with love. I always like to take little Geo and you, and when little Geo, you had little Geo in, in your arms, and he was looking at you like, oh, Pop-Pop, I love you, I love you, I love you, and you were saying, Geo, I love you, I love you, I love you. Well, you're much older, much stronger, much bigger, much more experienced, much more knowledgeable, but it's that love relationship that we come kind of like on equal terms with God. And it's kind of like when you get down on the floor with your grandson and you play with him. So it's all about relationship. Well, you know, it's funny that you say that. If I'm going to have a relationship with my grandson, that's where i got to be. Because that's where he is. He's on the floor. Mm -hmm. You know, when uh, when I went to uh, pick up my son just uh, 45 minutes ago to come and do this radio show that I went to the house and I had a choice to make. Do I beep the horn, call him on the phone and say, hey, I'm outside, or do I go inside and take an opportunity to hug and kiss my grandkids? Well, I'm a very selfish man when it comes to my family, so I get out of my car and I walk in the house because I want to hug and kiss my grandkids. And I go in there and they're they're engaged in their lives, and their lives are much physically lower to the ground than mine. Mm-hmm. And what do I do? I, I, I then have a choice to make. I can pick them up, or I can get down where they are. The ground is really getting further down. Older you know, get, isn't it? Doesn't it sure it? is. It is whatever. Yeah. It, it, so it's I, not the getting down, it's the getting up. <laughs> <laughs> so I could pick them up. Or I could get down. Tonight, I chose to get down. So I get down to their level. I give them a kiss on the head, and I look them in the eyes, and I try not to disturb them too much from what it is that they're already engaged in. I just want them to know that I'm there for them, and I love them. And they're, they're a very important part of my life. God does the same for me. He comes in and right. he has to sometimes stoop way down because I'm engaged in something that seems as though it's very important to me at the time. But it could be just a simple distraction, and God can just come down into my life, reach down, and just let me know that he's there and he loves me. Uh, what a good good God we have. Yeah, one of the most beautiful yeah. things that we see is the way that, you know, we grow up. Everyone 
well, everyone is born as an infant and ages out <laughs> eventually. But as we go through that process, <laughs> we slow, we slowly go through and we're watching the examples in our lives, you know, and as the men in this room, often our example is our father, older, but like we said, whoever, whoever it is you're looking up to, you're looking at that person and you're watching because one of the most important things that kids face and, uh, it's, it's evident in my youth group and the people that I talk to, one of the most important things that they face is, did you believe what you said when they look at their parents? Did, you, did they do something different than what they were saying or were they doing what they were saying? You know, we always make the, the joke like, do as I say, not as I do. Well, the fact of the matter is kids notice what you do and what you say. So it's much harder to control yourself than it is often to control like what you're putting on display. And it's, it's, it's difficult, but we see that and we watch that all the way through life. And that's the most beautiful thing about God is he, he, we live through this life. We looked at, we see those examples and he's just like, yeah, that's really cute, but I've never changed. <laughs> I'm the same. Right. I'm the same yesterday, today, tomorrow. And that's, that's the beauty of it. So you want to talk about an unwavering person or like just that reliability that you cannot match on earth. You know, like we, I, I've, I had a great father, have a great father. Sorry, sorry, sorry. You know, a lot of people in this room like had or have great fathers yeah. that you look up to and you respect and you track along the way. But I'll tell you, like, no matter how great my dad was, there was a time when, what? well, just, no, when when you're yeah, old enough to make your own decisions. Was it when he was younger? You're old right, enough right, know, to make your own decisions and you sit there and he could want anything in the world for me. He could be like, I want you to be involved in church. I want you to do this. I want this. I want that. And I'll be like, yeah, but it doesn't matter to you. Why should it matter to me? You know, and that's, that's often one of the things we see. I, I finished a book not that long ago and it, you know, it was discussing like what age kids already make the decision to leave church. And the ones that decide not to go to church are often the ones that parents drop them off because mm-hmm. they reach a point where they're like, well, it's not important to you. You can't make it important to me, you know? And that's something that like, Another failure of humankind is that we we expect different things than we're willing to give, and that's and God does not do that. He, being perfect Himself, has the opportunity to say, "Do like I do," <laughs> you know, strive for this level. You know, when we're looking at it, we're trying to grow up, we're trying to grow into our parents' shoes, or we're trying to do whatever it is, and we're trying to reach that next level. For us, often we, this is a negative that we feel like we can obtain it. You know, so you'll stop working on something. You, know, you could stop sharpening a skill because you're like, well, I'd, you know, I've already exceeded my family's expectations or I've already exceeded my friend's expectations. Or, you know, for me, it's like, well, Megan only expects me to do so much. So if I do that, I can stop. <laughs> and I can be done for the day. Meanwhile, she's still upset that I didn't do the dishes or whatever it is. Uh, and you just go on and on. But worldly expectations are easy to do. But when you stack yourself and compare to what Christ did and the way he lived and what God has for us, it's one of those things that should constantly keep you moving forward. And in the way that no one on earth can do, it should encourage you to keep keep up at the pace that you are, because he isn't going to change. You, well, we, you can't look, I'm going to get up there, oh, he changed, he let me down. There are things in my life I strived for, and then this guy let me down on. So I said, well, why should I give that any more effort? You know, well, I'm not going to tell you what it is. We, do, ha- okay. we, we do have to separate <laughs> the two. I mean, if we're trying to achieve worldly things, we're trying to achieve whatever we're trying to achieve. It's different than what God wants us to achieve. Mm-hmm. And we can achieve so much knowing who God is and all, and the attributes that he gives us, the mercy and grace, so we can go out and fall on our face. And he still loves us. and still brings us back. We never lose that. So if we get so bent on being who we think the world needs us to be or the money or whatever aspect, 
That's different than what God wants to be. We're at no level with God. We're at a relationship. Mm-hmm. And it's so much different than, than trying to prove, like you said, you're going after something and you might, you might fail at it or you might give up because you think you're at a level that you don't need to achieve anymore. God doesn't look at us as we need to achieve anything. We need to grow a relationship through a fellowship, for, through fellowship with him. And when we get to that point where we know that's so much more important in our lives, I mean, our flesh can only achieve so much, but God is ultimate, everlasting, eternal, and that's where our spirit needs to live. That's what it's all about. So if we can go out and try to achieve all we want, we can go exercise and be the biggest, baddest in the bunch. That does nothing for our spirit, and people really have to realize that. You have to spend as more time on the inside as much as you do with making the outside look good or your job or your profession. I mean, you, you said you get, you, in your profession, maybe you, don't, you think you're at the top of your profession and you stop. Mm-hmm. Is that what you're trying to? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. I was just using that as a worldly example right. to the way we, in our, like you're saying, in our spiritual lives, we should be emulating God, following those attributes that I'm sure you're going to list at some point tonight, other ones, <laughs> you know, and characteristics that we but, should be striving for and giving all of our due effort to that. Go ahead, Doc. But, but, but uh, m- one of the most important things that, I learned is that uh, people cannot live the Christian life through their own effort. Only through the Holy Spirit can you mature in your Christian walk. So you have to recognize that. Otherwise, you'll burn yourself out or you'll condemn yourself for not meeting the standards that you think you should be able to meet. Because without the Holy Spirit, you cannot meet it. So that's where the relationship is kind of like, with God, is kind of like different than any other relationship, because the Holy Spirit in a Christian is inside of you. And from the inside out, he's trying to mature you to be like Jesus Christ which is our example. That's why we're Jesus Christ turned Jesus Christ turned around and says, "I do nothing of myself. I only do what the Father says for me to do." That's where the grace and, and mercy comes in, right? When you say right. As we grow, yes. you know, you're saying the Holy Spirit's going to work in our lives, right? And when we don't reach a level we think think we should be at in relationship with God, we start beating ourselves up that we're we're sinners, we're this, we're that. But grace and mercy are they about the most important ones? Would well, you only, put a level on that at all? Not only well, mercy first. I mean, you know, the mercy is not getting what I deserve, and God is good at not giving me what I deserve. That I'm the one that I beat myself up more than He beats me up. Uh, the Holy Spirit convicts me of sin, but I'm the one that condemns me of my sin and the bad decisions that I made. So you would say. Would you put an attribute that is a top attribute of God, or can God, you put any levels to the? Not attribute? only is that an attribute, that's one of the names that God calls Himself. You know, there are few, there are only a handful of names that God calls Himself. One is God is mercy. That's a big deal because He wants. You know, we can say God is merciful, but God says, "I am mercy." This is this is where you find mercy. I am the the epitome of mercy. When you think of mercy, 
you have to think of God. When you think of faithfulness, of course you think of God, but there are other things that are faithful. There are other things that are consistent. You know, we look around in our life, and gravity has been consistent, but there's nothing on this earth that is merciful. Nothing in the world <clears throat> on this earth, nothing is merciful. Everything is merciless. Even gravity, which we depend on, fall off a roof and look to <laughs> gravity for mercy. And what you're going to find is gravity just says, sorry, uh-uh, I'm gravity. If you need mercy... This is what I do. Yeah, you have to look somewhere else. Right. Well, where am I going to look? Well, I'm going to look at the, the molecules held together in the form of uh, steel. Mm-hmm. Great. If I land off of that roof on that pile of steel, steel's doing its job. Those molecules are holding together. <laughs> but none of them are demonstrating mercy to me. Mm-hmm. Gravity's not moving out of the way to catch me. Molecules are not moving out of the way to, to soften my landing. Right. Nothing in this life, nothing in this world is merciful. I can't ask <clears throat> any of... No, I love pets. My son has a couple of dogs. The dogs would you look up at me. You don't, that shih tzu you found is gone, right? Yeah, yeah, he's gone back with his family. Yeah, that was a cute dog. I want to ask. Go ahead. I want to ask him a question about. So as I'm falling off the roof, if his dogs are looking up at me, not they're one of move. them. Yeah, they're not going <laughs> to extend mercy. Yeah. They're not going to say, you know what? Your face when you hit the ground, right? You stop rolling. They'll, they will. They'll... They will lick my face, and they'll probably <laughs> stay with me all the way to the hospital, you know, the 911 call. They will they'll probably whimper and say, oh, no, you look really terrible. But there's no mercy involved in that. There, there's a little empathy, I guess, some sympathy. Nothing in this world is merciful. So, can I ask Vincent a question about that with the youth group? Now, Vincent, that's an important question for you as a youth leader with your kids. How would you or do you teach um, the mercy of God, what, what your father is talking about? Is that something that uh, you how, can how you can, can you relate not, that to? The, how can how can I know, you not do that? You, you, the kids get it. You think you can't get more than I don't know five seconds through describing God or you know why they should but, listen to a word I say without mercy right. and grace. But I, I did youth group. Things. We taught junior youth group for ten years, twelve years, and unless you relate it to their life and what they're doing, because they're where you know they just want to. Tomorrow they're they're gonna have they got to take a test they didn't study for. It's so super how does that relate to try to saying? describe it to. Teenagers, we'll say, <laughs> for argument's sake. But I remember being a teenager, and they would always talk about, you know, this was your punishment for this, this is this, this is that. And you're like, oh, I kind of understand it, because, oh, that's what mercy is by mm-hmm. not giving me something that I do deserve when you're Getting the one that has the authority on a to test do it. Instead of a 60. And then the, mm-hmm. you know, where, whereas grace is something, you know, it's a little more showing favor for, almost like, here, let me help you through, that, like, mm-hmm. without you doing anything to get it. And it's a lot more difficult to describe it, and I'm on a level with you, because punishments are much less severe. <laughs> so I have a very difficult time trying, like, I used to be like, yeah, listen, you know when you're supposed to get spanked? Yeah. But you don't get spanked? That's what it was. I was growing up, and that's my life. Now it's not a thing, mm-hmm. and kids don't have any idea what I'm talking about. Right. So, <laughs> you know, you're trying so to find So it's like, you know when you were really looking like, to get your Nintendo Switch? Yeah. And they're like, and you didn't get the Nintendo Switch? You had to wait a week? Proud of you for know what that is. Yeah, see, isn't that something? (laughs) (laughs) And you had to wait a week because, you know, you had to be disciplined. So your discipline is, you know, that, that, that. Yeah, and it's it's difficult to relate. It's a little bit of a longer walk now, but yeah, I mean, it's hard. It's hard to get more than five or six, you know, sentences in without God's mercy and grace being abundantly evident. You know, it's in every other song we sing in our church. It's in every. 
It's in every passage we come through that that God's grace and mercy are so abundant and so overwhelming that they, you know, and, and it's a, that's a point we definitely harp on because, as he said, there's nothing in the world that offers that. So it's a little bit of a foreign concept to people when you're sitting here thinking like, what is... I don't, I don't, yeah, you say he's gracious, everybody knows the word grace, everybody knows the word mercy, they know, you know, they're like, Hold okay, but like to see them actually yeah. have to take an understanding of that, apply it to their life, it's a lot more difficult because like, they, they don't see it as an example in the world, they don't see it in the lives of other people, that's not necessarily an attribute that you're going to find in the world, it's something that, although not entirely unique is unique to God in the in his abundance of it because everybody else has a limit that that we reach and ours is so much shorter <laughs> you know yeah. our you know my, my patience is so thin that when it comes to things like that so when they see that and you kind of explain it to them once they catch the light on that they're like oh my goodness there's nothing in this world that has that it that's it does a real work it's very powerful yeah. and it's very important so getting that point across is is incredibly important. So I want to ask you a question, Pastor. Yeah, would buddy. you people get grace and mercy kind of confused? I think sometimes. Would you really lighten them up? Unlighten that? Yes, mercy is again. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. If God is merciful, then what I deserve, He uses these words. He says, "I withhold my judgment. I withhold my anger. I withhold even my wrath. I withhold it." And I don't, he uses, again, his words, I don't appoint you to wrath. So you fall off a roof, you're not going to hit the ground. You know, he says, he said, if you sin, there are consequences. And the consequences in this life, they are, they are notorious. They are, they are an impact. If I cheat on my taxes and I'm found out, I'm here in front of a guy that does taxes, so he just went, <gasps> perish the thought. <clears throat> if I were to cheat on my taxes and I get caught, there are consequences for that. But if I cheat on my taxes and I say, you know what, Lord, I have not been a good steward with my money. Please forgive me for what I've done. God forgives me. So man still has consequences. I'm still going to have to pay the penalties and maybe even it might be depending on the consequences, they can be severe. But before God, those consequences, which only had one end, the soul that sins, it must die. So because of sin, the penalty is death. So God has a choice to make. Do I withhold that penalty from him, or do I extend that penalty to him? Because we look at it and we grade it. We say, well, you know, there's sin. If you're just a little bit cheating on your tax, I mean, who doesn't fudge a little bit? Did I buy that TV because I, you know, needed it as a business expense? And maybe you write that off. All right, maybe somebody does things like that. If they do things like that, we view them as a gray area. God says, heaven has to be perfect. The environment has to be pure. The only place we know where that's we can even relate is in the environment of our children when they're infants. When our kids are infants, we allow nothing bad to happen to them. We wrap them in blankets. We make sure that they do not get exposed to elements because their life is fragile. We don't give them anything but good things to eat. If I were to go near any child in their mother's arms and say, look, I've got a little bit of rat poison. Would it be okay if I gave it to your child? There's not a, there's not a place I could hide from the wrath of that mom. And that's good because they're recognized zero is the tolerance. 
Well, the same is true about heaven. Zero is the permissible amount of sin for there to be there. Since that's the case, any sin now makes heaven not heaven. He can't allow any. So my gray area then becomes this area of, well, is it really that big a deal? He's like, you don't understand. When you understand sin has the penalty, and the penalty is death. If God did not withhold that penalty from us, we would die. It's not like, well, I'm going to spend a couple extra years paying for it, or maybe I'll you know, have to do some good deeds, walk some little old ladies across the street, be kind to you know, animals, I'll, you know, I'll go take some oil off of some wild birds up in next spill that happened. No, that's not, you can't possibly do that because we don't understand the gravity of sin. When we understand the gravity of sin, we understand the extent of mercy. And mercy is, I don't want you to have to face the consequence, because the consequence is much more severe than you really believe it is. The consequence is eternal separation from me in a place called hell. That's why he extends mercy, and he's the only one who can, because he's the only one who's never... There was a condition on mercy, though. Yeah. Oh, hold on one second. Doc wants to chime in, guys. Go ahead, buddy. Go ahead, Doc. Um, listen, in, in the grace and in the mercy, behind it all is law. You talk about gravity, that's, gravity is a law. There is no mercy in law. The law is the law. Every action, equal and opposite reaction. When you fall, it isn't the falling that hurts you, it's the stopping that hurts you. God, in his love, gives both mercy and grace. Well, the mercy is not... (coughs) The mercy it defined is not getting what we deserve. So if we do not get... By the law. By the law. By the law. Because God also provided a, because he provided in advance, he provided the payment for the penalty. Because the soul that sins must die. So what do I have to do? That has to be wound up, wrapped up in Christ who paid that ultimate penalty. That's the condition of mercy. That's the condition of mercy. The condition of mercy is to accept the substitution mm-hmm. of the payment for the penalty in Christ Jesus. That's why God pleads with us so often, won't you please just embrace my son Jesus Christ? Won't you please allow him to cover your sin? And man fights against it over and over and over again. Man rails, the, like, isn't there some other way? What, what other way could there possibly be? Because it's all about mercy. I've already disqualified myself, and now I want to take a disqualified, sinful person and say, if I really work hard enough, I can become sinless. I can't. I'm already sin. So because I am, all I can do is have my sin washed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Then I attain mercy because of his gift of giving his life, and then God pours out his grace, and grace is uh, working term is unmerited favor. It's nothing I've earned or could work for. It is favor with God. It's more than just I'm not angry at you anymore. It's now I make you my child. I want you to be with me forever. I'm preparing a place for you. This is not just not getting my penalty, but it's getting a benefit and a blessing. 
Can you imagine if you're brought before a judge and the judge says, the fine is $1,000, and you say, I don't have $1,000, and the judge says, here's $1,000, I'll pay the fine. That's mercy. But if he then says, now come with me, I've prepared an apartment at my house, I want you to live there with me forever, that's grace. And no one would think that that's owed them or even rational. It's just unmerited favor. And God says, look, I'm strong enough, I'm big enough, I am pure enough and holy enough that once I've settled the issue and you've been atoned, come and live with me forever. So the salvation is part of grace. Salvation? Salvation. Salvation is the mercy. It can be bestowed. The eternity in heaven is is the grace. Right. Okay. God, you wanted to say something. I, I did not. (laughs) <laughs> oh, okay. But I but can he if will. you want me to. <laughs> I, I saw you looking at something, and I thought you were No, someone sent me a, a reference for it, and so, I was just reading but, the point. But I would like to say something that Vince has said earlier, and, and I realized it in my new walk, that you're right. A lot of today's kids don't care for church because, yeah, they were dropped off. Mom went shopping. Dad went and played around the golf, where in my house it was the opposite way. Dad came with me, sat with me. And we went through everything together. So I, I agree with you. I never thought of that until you said it. If that's a perspective you hold and and, and your parents did that with you, yeah. you are much more likely to continue on and make it important in your life right. than you are to be like, well, it wasn't important to them. Right. It can't be important to me, you know. And that's something that the demonstration is, you know, it's a charge to each and every person in this room. Like the people that look up to you live well, you know, that's your job. Do better, be better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's, that's all we can do is take that next right step. And ho- and the, the people who are watching need to see that. Right. You know, we, um, I had a conversation with a fellow today and he, he said something and I was like, I think you're misunderstand. I have very low expectations of the human race in my brain. I don't expect great things out of them. I was like, but when I look at other people making that next right step forward, that, that, genuine heart in people to be trying and persevering to do better things is what really uh, puts me to admire them. It puts me in the position to say like, I can get on board with that. I can get behind that because we're moving, we're trying, we're all working Mm -hmm. together. You know, as as we talked about earlier, as opposed to the position of being like, I've achieved what I need to get through. You know, that's one of the beautiful things about the Christian walk is it it always constantly, constantly reminds you that you're not good enough, but constantly encourages you to keep working and do better, you know, because in the pursuit of that, it's never a letdown. It's never a letdown to look and be like, man, I'm not where I'm supposed to be beyond the fact that you're like, what did I do that put me in this mindset to say, I'm not where I'm supposed to be. Let me fix that. Oh, look, I'm going to keep moving and just be surprised at the doors that open in front of you when you're taking the next right step. But I was just, (laughs) honestly, I was just amazed by you saying that the friends I grew up with, they don't, they're not in the walk. And it dawned on me why now, because you said parents dropped them off and did what they ever had to do. It's not the only reason, but it sure is a big reason. A big reason. And and then came back in an hour to pick them up, you know. Well, that's one. And then there's kids that parents don't go to church. And there's then there's the other side where parents do go to church and the kids get turned off. A lot of times that happens in in a family that has a pastor or a minister in the family. And they just see so much of it. They're just like, you know, that's your your God. I got to do something different Mm -hmm. and move on. Mm -hmm. Often that stems from... <clears throat> a little bit of hypocrisy, which is one of the biggest, well, one of the biggest turns off for the thing. Because the more you know someone, this was kind of our topic last night in men's study. Without going into it too much, right. was more or less. It's the more you know someone, the harder it is 
to forgive them. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why that's why it means so much when your spouse forgives you or when a family member forgives you. It means so much more because it's harder because they you can't hide dirty laundry from certain people. You know, you live under your parents' roof, you think you're getting away with something, 90% of the time you're not. You know, they already know what's going on. And you know, in in, <laughs> in marriage like you look at it like if I'm if I'm saying something and doing something else, I it's a huge negative and they will never let you live it down. And we joke about that all the time when you're yeah, like, oh, my wife will yeah. never let me live this down. But the truth is, that's the facts. Because you look at it and you're like, I let our, I let us down by doing this. You know, I have a good friend of mine. I was talking to him and he he is married to a woman that is not a believer. And the conversation, he was like, man, I keep telling her all this. She knows the Bible, this and that. And I was like, listen, man, what are you doing when you walk in the door? And he was like, well, I do this and I say this. And I was like, and I, I love this guy enough, so I looked him dead in the face, and I was like, just shut up and love her, man. Like, just, that's what you got to do right now. You have to live what you're saying, because she knows way better than anybody else in this room the things you've done wrong, the th- all your shortcomings, the things you say, and then do the opposite, all those things. She knows more about you. You guys got together well before you were saved, so she knows the old you, too. She knows all those things. Mm-hmm. So in order for her to see this as genuine, it needs to be 200% genuine from the minute you see her. To, you know, at all times in your right. life, we should all be striving for that. But that's the example it's going to set. You know, and kids look up to parents the same way. If you look at it and you're like, well, my parents kind of said that they did church or, and here's here's the one of the biggest kickers. I guess we're off topic. I'm sorry. But like one of the biggest kickers about things <laughs> is when parents have a church face and a home face they're, and they're very different. When it's like, oh, oh, this is your dad. Yeah, but he's not like that at home. That could be detrimental. Are you kidding me? That's one of the most positive things. I have a lot of my friends growing up love him because they're like, man, when we go over your house, he's the same person in both places. I was like, yeah, to the best of his ability, he's the same person in both places. You know, I joke about it, but yeah, flawed, you flawed know, both, but you know, but that's the thing. Like, and it, like I kind of said earlier, like when you're looking at people trying to do the next right thing, making those steps forward, like you're always you're willing to show a lot more grace and give them, th- you know, that that effort that they other people wouldn't warrant. You know, I have a lot of friends that respect him because they stayed over at my house and they saw the way he handled things. Or I have a lot of friends that see him in the church and are like, oh, he's like this. And then all of a sudden we're somewhere else. And I was like, whoa, he's the same person here. You know, it, it's it's a wonderful thing that I, I personally know pastors that are not that way. I personally know worship leaders that are not that way, youth leaders that are not that way. I know a ton of people that have a church face and a home face. That's that's terrible. It, it comes down. It does come down though to decisions making. It's mm-hmm. a lot of kids are turned off for reasons that we're talking about. They get dropped off. They don't see their parents showing them the right way to go. They're a bad example. They don't. Their walk isn't there because they don't have a walk. And there's people that do have a walk, and like you're saying, Vincent, but they change when they're not. With, they don't have their God face on yeah. or the Christian face on. When you have to be, when you become a child of God, when you accept Jesus Christ and you, you know you're saved, you know you really have a great relationship, when it matches up, when people can look at you and accuse you of being a Christian, that's what we're talking about. And then you can relate that to kids, and it's, it's very contagious when people see that. They look at you, and I know friends you probably you know that aren't saved, Vincent, that see, know you from before and say, Vincent, you can't be the same guy I know from before. Uh, hey, I know you through. were just talking about the I'm other day. i through that right now. You said you had a conversation right. with someone who said, how could you be, how could you know Jesus Christ? Oh, I don't know what they yeah. said. But well, they, no, that's what they said. How can you believe in Jesus with your past? And I said, well, that's why it's called my past. And I asked him to forgive me, and I'm straightening my life out in a better walk because I have a pastor that believes in me and, and friends from my own church that believe in me. So that's why it's called the past. That stays in the past. I says, him, it's up to him 
to make the ultimate decision when my time comes, and I'll have the answer for it. And hopefully he will say, you're still welcome into my home. Uh, yeah, but no, I'm going through that with actually two friends now that just can't believe that, you know, I'm a Christian all the time. So yeah, and friends and family are the hardest ones to deal well, with with yeah. that because they know, they, they know too much. What, did Jesus, what did Jesus tell the apostles, the disciples when he sent them out, when he went to a town that you weren't, you, that you weren't, that they didn't want you there? Shake the dust off your sandals and move on. What, what yeah. Isn't yeah. Well, that what we're talking about? Well, one of the things that I'm hearing in this, and I'm really encouraged by this, is, you know, we, we talked a lot about the faithfulness of God and the faithfulness of men, husbands, and specifically fathers. But how about this? Uh, now I'm hearing this, and I'm really encouraged by it. The faithfulness of friends. When you're a faithful friend, let, let's just say you know your, your parents are not living the life that you wish they did. Maybe your parents are not doing what you would consider to be honorable, or they're, they're not making—maybe they haven't been faithful. You know, I, that's a big deal. Lots of marriages end because there's infidelity. And there's trust issues now, and the kids are now dealing with those things. But they, God doesn't leave us alone. God provides us with good friends, too, sometimes that are able to encourage one another. I can tell you that in my life, I have good friends that have been my friends now, some of them for well over 50 years. And we've gone through a lot together. 50. And they've been faithful friends. And sometimes they've been stronger in their walk and have had to help me, and sometimes I've been stronger in my walk and have had to help them, but we're friends, and the faithfulness is what is um, reliable, and it means a lot. And without faithful friends, because Vincent said something earlier, he said, you know, uh, I had a dad that. Hmm. And that's interesting, because he has at least two different uh, stages of life of father. One when he's a child, one when he's a husband and father himself. And that's a big deal, because as a, as a father, I have a different role when he's under my roof. It's a different role than when he's a man on his own, raising his own family. Now I get to have that different... I, did not, I didn't have that growing up. My father passed away before I was old enough and engaged in getting married and had a family. So I, I'm learning this role because I, I didn't see this role modeled in my dad. I didn't, I didn't have a father when I was first married. Wouldn't that have been pretty cool? I joke with my wife because my father was a carpenter. He was a builder. And my wife's father uh, was a mechanic and had a machine shop. So we joke that when we got married, if her father were still alive and if my father were still alive, our house would be in good shape and our cars would be in good shape. And now, now you got a son doing that. And now I have a son <laughs> who has a dad who's pretty handy with carpentry, and my son's handy, so the two of us together can accomplish good things to keep things. Neither running. one of you is a plumber, though. <laughs> yeah, neither one's a plumber. That's my father-in-law is for it. But his father-in-law is not only a plumber. <laughs> electric, you're, fill the you're, gaps, yeah. electrical, plumbing, automotive, and he's good with automotive. <laughs> so he's got like every every box checked oh, yeah. here. He's got yeah. this huge blessing that, uh, but parents get to be a different influence. But through his life, and I'm going to put my son out here, through his life, he's had friends, and his friends have been faithful friends. And there have been times in his life... Some of them. The ones that, there the have one been times stuck. in his life where he would uh, <laughs> arguably, I'm not supposed to know this, 
made some decisions in his life that were not well pleasing unto the Lord for a period of time. Yeah, Vincent, we we yeah, never really. did that. Yeah, I can't believe it. I was I must be the only that. one. My bad. Yeah, <laughs> you were the only one, and yeah. and I only heard about it as a rumor. So it probably you know maybe yeah, there's it's no just, way it's true. Yeah. There's yeah. no yeah. way it's true. Was deny, it the deny, deny, deny. If it's not on the internet, it's not, <laughs> not true. That's right. But through it all, if it is on the internet, it's then it's true. But faithful friends are there, and I know that there are some faithful friends that you have, and faithful friends. A, a faithful friend that you are, and I appreciate that in you. I have faithful friends in my life, and I appreciate them, and I don't know how you get through life without having faithful friends, because a faithful friend sticks closer than a brother. Uh, man, I, I never had a biological brother. I've had sisters who set me on fire, so I... I <laughs> Having a friend who's more faithful. Oh, Val, we know you're listening. Well, she didn't actually set me on fire. She just she didn't. Left. She wouldn't put me right. out. She <laughs> Imagine that. He remembers my sister would not put me out. That's right. Well, how do you, you forget know, that? <laughs> you'll never. I'll never forget that. But I have friends that are faithful. I have friends that I can rely on. I have friends that are there for me. My father, who was completely reliable, he passed away way too young. God didn't leave me alone. He didn't, even though I was, you know, I was never, I never felt alone. I always had a good support team, people that I could rely on, and uh, I like to have people that I believe can rely on me too. It's necessary. So when you start talking about these, we'll call them the teenagers that are about to make a decision as to whether they will come to church or not come to church. Parents, we have a great responsibility. Because we demonstrate to our kids what's the most important thing in our lives. They want to please us. They want to grow into what we have modeled for them. And if we model for them the most important thing in our life is our relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ, that will stay with them forever. If we model for them something else is more important than our relationship with God through Jesus Christ, that will also influence them. It's also important outside of that is in whatever your ministry role is, you know, Almost every person in the world has someone that they're discipling under in whatever capacity, and that they're discipling or teaching in, in whatever capacity, you know. Um, and we see that sometimes, often, we take for granted the idea that, like, for me, I get I get charged with with fifteen kids on a Wednesday night that are looking to me. Now I can say whatever I want. I'm right back to it. I can say anything on the planet. I could preach the most wonderful sermon on a Wednesday to these kids. And do one wrong thing, and they'll hang me out to dry. They'll be like, "I can't trust that guy. I can't do this." We you know? do that to you. Yeah, and well, well, there's yeah, an old saying to that that we use all the time is that people do fifty percent what you do right, and a hundred percent what you do wrong. Yeah, mm-hmm. and when you do something wrong, they'll notice that more than what you when you do right. Yeah, and I guess it just to well, me it just boils to down to the idea that like the whole purpose is that when you're living that out, when you're trying to emulate what God has set before us in faithfulness, being gracious, being merciful. Those are the only three and, 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 you know, loving that we only really got through. But you really talk about it. And if we're trying to do that and trying to be that and trying to pass those lessons on and demonstrating them in every capacity, it's contagious. It's going to catch like wildfire. It's, I I can, can you earplugs for a minute? The reason our church is where it is, is because our pastor is the pastor he is. You know, like we're growing, we're making changes. Right. It's because he's the same person on and off the stage, in and out of the building, all those things. That's important. You know, like when we're growing, you know, when I'm trying to grow the youth group, if I'm a different person outside that and they know that, they will not take anything I say seriously. They will not give me credit. My worship team, if they look at, I'm only picking on the things I know. Sorry, guys. (laughs) But like my worship team, if I sit there and I show up and I don't know the songs, why on earth would they follow me? 
why on earth would they say like, hey, let's do that? <laughs> you know, yeah. I should be the guy that knows the songs the best. I should be doing that. You know, and those right. kind of things. It's like, hey, guys, we're gonna do it. Like, you know, follow me as I'm doing the next right thing. How much more important is it in? in our spiritual walk and our spiritual upkeep to be like that. You know, if you want if you want your kid to get into the word, be in the word. Don't hide your Bible. If you want your kid to listen to Christian music, listen to Christian music. If you want your kid to be in church, guess where your butt should be? In church. If you lead by example in right. everything that we do. It's passed down since kindergarten is the lo- furthest back I can remember most things, but it's like, all right, here is your line leader. Do what the line leader does. And the line leader is always a teacher's aide mm-hmm. that's following around saying, we're going to walk happy and peppy to the to so, the bathroom for a potty right. break. Then we're going to go here. That's what you're doing. You're learning to, to be led by example. And we should make our example Christ. And we should encourage people to follow us in that example. So l- let's talk to the fact that there's a lot of people out there, a lot. Let's say there's people listening that don't have a walk with God, but they feel they're a great father, great mother, great representative uh, example of good moral values. Mm-hmm. We need to get them to understand that it's just this, their children, not only and the people around them, not only got to see them have good moral values and be good person, but they got to be able to see Jesus reflecting on what they do and what they how they live their life. And number one is be a good example at home. And but our next step is to get a relationship with Jesus Christ if they don't have one and find a good church. I mean, how, how do you teach someone to do that? Well, I, I, if I had opportunity, to, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, in conversations that I have with people who are good moral people, the world would say that they have it all together. They're right. They're checking all the boxes. They're not going to cheat on their spouse because they've made a commitment and they're honorable people, so they're not going to break their marriage vow, which, by the way, already is uh, something that puts them head and shoulders above many people in mm. society, that they don't cheat on their taxes, that they work hard every day, that they make sure that they um, take responsibility for the things that they know they should take responsibility. They're good, upstanding members of the community. They, they're checking all the boxes, yeah, morally, the- worldly. All That's those right. boxes. They're they're members of the PTA. They care about their school teachers. They're you know they're good people for, from all of the worldly aspects. And they're like, why isn't this good enough? And I'm like, because you're not you're not demonstrating the foundation for it. And you need to not just demonstrate the action. You need to demonstrate the foundation for it. Why do you believe that marriage is so important? And if the reason is because well, because it's important to us, that's not deep enough. It's because it has to go further. Marriage is important. I've made a covenant, and I stood, more often than not, they have, I stood in a church. I want to have my marriage uh, sealed, and I want to have that done in a church setting, because I want to stand before God. I know there's something higher than myself. And since they already know that, I want them to demonstrate it. Who is that one that you would stand before and say, if I'm going to make a covenant and I'm going to enter into this commitment with her for the rest of my life and I want you to witness it, God, I stand before my family, my friends, and God Almighty, why do you do that? Because God is faithful to us. He demonstrates that commitment to us that can never change because he knows that relationship, if it's broken, causes great pain. He would never leave. He wants us to do the same. So we need to to demonstrate that it's more than just, I carry out the moral attribute, 
but I carry out the moral attribute because of the godly attribute that I emulate in Christ Jesus because of my relationship with God the Father. Carry it out to the conclusion. Don't leave it in the middle, because as you said earlier, if we just demonstrate the action, then they may not even understand the reason for it. Sure. So what should should be the great motivator that someone is like that, who's the head of the household, or either or, mother, father, someone responsible for for children. Let's we're talking about children and kids. How what's the motivator for them to say, yeah, you're a great moral uh, role model for your children, for whoever. What's the motivator for again say, not only are they good enough and check all the boxes, we got to motivate them to have a relationship with Christ to teach their children. Well. Obviously, there are two ways to be able to uh, share it with them. One is to let them explore something that we have to agree on is truth. Start with God. Is God real in your life? And if God's not real in their life, you have to start there. Maybe you have to go uh, to—I would go to the Word of God, because the Word of God is true. And as you go to the Word of God, read to them things like John chapter 1. Read to them— Romans chapter 1, and then start having them examine. When I look around and I start to see stars, where did they come from? Were the heavens? How come the tide stops where it stops? How can the moon just do exactly what it does? I mean, things here on this planet are so unique that it, it really strains credibility to be able to say it just happened by chance. Mm. The chance is so random that, that it would take like one to thousand or one to ten with a thousand zeros for it to be replicated. That's, that's beyond reality. So since God has given us the ability to say, maybe there's a God who's a creator, and we know there's a peace in our heart when we remain, they're already good moral people, faithful to one another, care about hurting and the less fortunate in the world, care about other people. We would be that good Samaritan. They're like, of course I would be that. I would reach out to that person who's broken on the side of the road. Right. I give to United Way and, you know, I make a shoebox for Samaritan's Purse because they are good moral people. You want to get them to, to that place where they say, since you already know that there is a God, let me introduce you to him as Paul would do at the church at Athens. I want to introduce you to the God that you're already, like, satelliting around and know him personally. Go ahead, Chance. Yeah, I think uh, to be a little more precise on the initial question, one of the things that you could take away is this. like If you're struggling with that, and you're the head of a household, and you're living a morally upright life, and you don't know what's next, number one, work on yourself. You're talking about presenting it. You gotta, you gotta know it to present it. We talk about that all the time. Like you gotta know what you're gonna share. So if you are struggling, and that's something that you're going through, or you're listening to this for the first time, and you're like, "Wow, this kid is uh, driving me nuts," but maybe he said something good, or any of these people in the room, call, please. Okay, call someone in this room. Get reach out, find stuff. You know, there's we're in Hamilton, and one of the blessings of Hamilton are there are plenty of good churches that can help get you grounded in God's word. Mm-hmm. You know, the morality isn't necessarily enough. So if that is your struggle, get on the next right step. The next right step, get to know God in your life and dive right into the Word for that if you want to do that. Reach out. You got our call numbers, text numbers, whatever. We'll give you our numbers. I know all of us will. And and that's your next step. Let if me you ask want you to make question, that relationship not personal. Sh- not to sh- cut you short, but as a, as a new father, not new, but you're a young father, mm-hmm. young kids, and you have friends that are and aren't saved that are raising children. A great motivator for you as a young parent 
be it you're you're in church, you're a ministry leader, you're a lot of would you recommend your your friends that aren't saved to say, listen, you need to be motivated to get your ch- children to know so they can go to heaven. Is that a motivator, you think, for kids your age that have young children? It is to an extent, but I'll tell you the greatest motivator is the kids themselves. Um, I I could t- Let's say you have kids my age and we're hanging out. I could talk to you till I'm blue in the face, but the fact of the matter is you're already a grown person with a job and other responsibilities, and church is probably so far down your list. But I'll tell you what, let your five-year-old daughter and my five-year-old daughter talk for six-year-old, sorry, Aubrey, six-year-old daughter <laughs> talk for like a couple of minutes, and they're like, oh, what are you doing tonight? I'm going to church. Oh, what's at church? We're doing this. Daddy, I want to go to church. You're going to end up at church. I'm telling you right now, you're going to end up at church because... Parents will do anything for their kids. Another prime example of what God does for us. <laughs> Parents will do anything for their kids. We we talk about it all the time in, in our conversations that my daughter has something that none of us have, and it's a shameless personality. The kids, they don't they don't have the same level of shame that we do. So they don't look at it. Like often, we could all be in our work. We'll compare school to work for kids, right? So for us, we're at work, and it's like, I don't really, where are you going tonight? I got a church thing. Okay, you try to brush it off. As opposed to my daughter, be like, I am going to Awana. I'm in the Sparks program. I'm going to learn this. We've been learning about this. We're going to have fun doing it. And she's going to talk about the whole thing to the fullest extent of her ability because she's 100% unashamed. She's 100% ready to just tell you the exciting things in her life. You know, so as as important as it is for me to have that face-to-face conversation, I'm not discouraging that in any way. I'm saying that by doing our best to raise our child in that environment She's more contagious than I am with this. Mm-hmm. So she, she, when those kids are playing and hanging, I have a good, okay. My daughter has a friend. I'm not very close with the parents. I'm not at all. Megan, Megan knows I'm much better at it. That's not the point. When I, I have a lot in common with the father, we see the father, we say, hey, what's up? Talk to him, shake his hand, be like, hey, love to see you guys out. Like, you know, it's like, that's important. But when, as soon as those kids, they run up, they greet each other, they hug each other. Oh, I miss you at whatever program Aubrey's in, Sparks, I think it is, right? So she, yeah. whatever it is, she's excited about that. And then that kid immediately looks back to like, why haven't I been to church in a while? And the parents are getting punched right in the stomach mm-hmm. <laughs> because they're going to look at him and be like, because I didn't feel like it. You know? And uh-huh. I told him, he was like, yeah. I was like, oh, it's good to see you tonight. He's like, yeah, she wouldn't shut up about it. I had to bring her. This is all she wanted to do. I was like, I get it. I've been there. I do I do a lot of things like that. But, you know, like the example, that boils down to us setting the example. And for me, my often my moral compass is Megan. She she hits hard when she tells me the things I'm doing wrong. So she's she's much more like, hey, why didn't you say this or do this or whatever? You know, she's she's not as outspoken as I am. To other people, but to me, she's like, "Hey, um, why don't you shut up and do the right thing, Vincent?" I'm like, "Okay, you're right," and then she keeps <laughs> me going. But it's a, you know, it's a good thing. So as important as it is to try to like reach those parents, and for me to take a lesson from my six year old kid and not shy away from the conversation so, just because it might be weird, cultivating that in your life, you'll be you'll be surprised to see what can happen when the kids are excited too. So, so the great motivator for young and old is a relationship with God. Period. And where are you going to go when it's your turn? Well, that, that's sorry, Pastor. Go ahead, that, go that's, ahead. Where, no, go ahead. that's where I want to go for a second. Because I wouldn't be with you guys right now if it wasn't for a good friend who had a very good walk with God and said, You need to do this. And yes, it took some time. I'm not going to deny it. And finally, I said, All right, let's, let's do this. You know, let me see what <laughs> you're talking about. And that changed my whole look at life because I saw the difference. And it's not just, you know, uh, a kid doing it. This was a grown adult telling another grown adult, you got to do this. And this is somebody I consider like a brother. So that was even worse because I felt like I was letting my brother down 
and, and, and not doing this. So, yeah, you got, you got to have people, like Rin said earlier, you got to have good people around you that are faithful and will push and help you with your walk. Well, one of the things that I, I keep hearing here, and I love it, is community. A sense of community is important. I, I've always had in my life, I've had faithful friends. I've tried to develop friendships that are faithful and lifelong. Uh, usually it's with people who are going through similar circumstances that I'm going through. You know, when I was a early married, many of my friends were early married. When my kids are younger and we're making decisions my friends are in that age group because we're, uh, you know, we have a lot in common, whether it's diaper bags or strollers or whether it's teenagers. At that point, you have things in common. As you start to get older, now I'm grandparent, you find yourself in more in common with people that you're sharing things in common with. And it's great to have this sense of community. I can tell you this. Hamilton is unique. It's a city, well, a town. It's a town like I don't see very many places. For instance, just Sunday, there was a fundraiser, local fundraiser, for a, a woman who mm-hmm. needed some assistance, and it seemed like everybody in town came together yeah. just to be supportive. Oh, yes. Because here in town, people care about one another. So it's not like we're at odds with each other. It's not like you and, and your friends, mm-hmm. even though you may have, uh, we'll call them, uh, differences concerning your faith. Right. It, you had the sense of community. So when they had an opportunity to look at you and say, you know what, uh, I think this would be beneficial to you, a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ, changed my life and brought me peace. Mm-hmm. I want you to know peace in your life. They would introduce you to that because they care about you. Right. That's what community should do. Mm-hmm. That's what we should continue to do for one another. It's not necessarily coming to preach to, but even as I'm talking to my friend Joe, and he's been uh, witnessing and ministering to people who are now in a, you know, in his family circle that are getting up there in age, and they're facing eternity. And sometimes they're not sure about the decisions they've made throughout their life, if when they face their eternity, they can have absolute confidence that they're going to step into heaven. And they don't know if they've done enough or if mm-hmm. they've been good enough. And then Joe then has that opportunity. I know he's been praying with a couple of who have been praying together. He has that opportunity to go and pray with them because the community, the camaraderie, has given him an opportunity to present the hope, the reason for the hope that is within him. That's why we need to be ready in season and out of season to be able to present the answer for the hope that is within us. When we're talking to a man who's a grandfather, and today we got the text that his grandchild is in ICU, was just born the other day, and now is in ICU and is having terrible difficulties that were unanticipated, he called his community together because we're praying. And we got on our knees today, and we started praying for this young boy who's now in some distress and the family that's going through all this. And it's a confident hope we have in our blessed Redeemer, but we have a family and a community that comes together for these things. And I don't know how people in this world get to get through life without a deep relationship with Jesus Christ, because these bad things and these tragedies happen to everyone. If they happen to us and we don't have Christ, I don't have any other hope. If we, if we have Christ, I have the hope, 
and I have the confidence in knowing that he's the God who cares. And all of his attributes, we're not going to get a chance to list them tonight, all of his attributes are all part of his character. And then as he gets us through, I get to cry out to him and say, thank you, God, for being the God who sees, the God who knows, the God who cares, the God who heals. The God. Uh, these are all the attributes that I see in God because he's been so wonderful and magnificent in my life. And we get to share them with our family, our friend, and our community. And here we are on a Tuesday night, and there are four friends that have gotten to know each other. Five. There's one on the one Don't listening. Oh, that's right. I forgot. There's one on the, online. Now you can count me out. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I'm and, just listening to you guys. Well, not for nothing. I, I I have said before. You guys aren't just my friends. You're my family. Mm-hmm. And because you're family, sometimes we rub each other the wrong way, but that's okay. Because we we all love each other and we're working toward best for each other. So as we do that, each other the best all time. Yeah, all the time, working for the best that God can make us. Amen. While we're Amen. here, so true. Well, that's what I want for everyone within the hearing of my voice tonight. For you to to not leave here tonight saying, "I wonder if I'm in that club." I want you to know you can be part of the family of God and part of the greatest. Uh, group that has ever been and be invited in by Jesus Christ himself, just answer the call. Uh, You have our number. Please come. You know where our church is, 660 South Egg Harbor Road. Love for you to just show up cold and just say, is it really true what it is you've been saying? And you'll find out. And if you come during the day and you want to know if it's true, uh, we're probably going to point you to a trash can because we're going to be fixing something or working on something, and you can give us a hand with it while we're we're doing it. <laughs> God is good. Before we close out, do you have any other comments to end with, Joe? Uh, we were going to talk about, no, that's another topic, uh, uh, enjoy uh, light of the world in a, in a dark world. Light in a Dark world well, coming actually, up in the weeks to come. We'll be talking yeah. about <laughs> yes, light, light, joy, and peace in a dark world. Light, joy, and peace. You talking about light in general? <laughs> the light of Christ in the dark world in general. Chance, you got anything you want to share? Anything exciting coming up? Um, yeah, I mean, well, this summer's VBS. We talked about that a few weeks ago when I was here with Val. We got VBS coming up in uh, what's that? The first week of August, I believe awesome. we settled on right. Um, that's what I heard. First week of August. That's a big deal. Oh, I, right. You know, that's right. That's right. Yeah, and that that'll be super exciting. And uh, it was fun last year. That was my first time. Yeah, it's it's a great time. I expect this year to just be even better. You know, last year we uh, were a little late to get to the rodeo. You know, <laughs> you know. So, so this we year pulled, we pulled it off. Kids had yeah, fun. absolutely. You know, and that's that's the goal. We're gonna so, do it all over again this year. And and honestly, like he said, if you have questions or concerns, like you got our call numbers on the radio station, you know that we're associated with Calvary Chapel Hamilton. He gave you the address. Call, well, text, give, get involved. Given the, the times your youth group meets and the all our youth group is 6.30 to 8 slash 8.30. Depends on when the parents pick them up. On um, Wednesdays at church. Junior youth group, too. And same time for junior high. That's It'll be 6th grade through 12th grade. Junior high is 6th through 8th. Uh, senior is 9th through 12th. Um, come on out. We have a great time. We have a lot of opportunities. We dive into the Word and, and go in there. And the parents um, can sit with uh, yeah, in the sanctuary. We have service itself. Yeah, pastor has Bible study in there right now. He's going through the attributes of God. Um, I know he's done holiness, faithfulness, and well, it's, other people have done those ones, and he's done five or six other ones. The glory of God or the gloriousness is uh, tomorrow night. Tomorrow night. Yeah, come so come and learn all about God's glory. The it's L- a great time. We, the uh, Bible has a good uh, 
has a good Bible study on 15 attributes. Yeah, of if God. you have uh, if you have the internet and you look up the Blue Letter Bible, there's a good study on the attributes of God, and it's a different perspective, and you'll see some some of the great uh, characteristics of God, how they play out and apply to our lives, which is impacting. Mm-hmm. So, look at the Word of God, use the resources and tools available, and the most important thing that I would encourage you is. Uh, Get to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and then communicate with Him. Prayer is powerful. Prayer is impactful. And on April 3rd, we're having a very special prayer meeting at our church, 6 o'clock at night. April 3rd, it's a Sunday evening, 6 o'clock at night. There's a prayer meeting at the church for anyone and everyone. Not just Calvary people. Not just (laughs) Calvary people. This is for anyone who wants to come and pray, anyone who wants someone to pray with them, pray for them, or if you want to pray, this is an opportunity to do that. This is a public invitation to anyone, the whosoever wills of the world, please come. I'd love for you to join us April 3rd, 6 o'clock at the church. We're going to get together and pray. There are other things you can go on the website and find out everything that's going on. But if you want to dip your toe in the water and come in a very safe environment, that's a good one. Uh, We really do want people to know who Christ is because he has the only answers this world has. He's the only genuine and the only truth you're going to find here. So why don't uh, we—Vincent, would you close in prayer? Absolutely. Uh, Lord God, we thank you for another chance just to uh, get here and just discuss you. <laughs> Lord, to just talk about you in these endless topics. Lord, I just, uh, we praise you for that, that you are you are the God who who is, <laughs> Lord, the great I am, and we praise you this night. And uh, Lord, as we leave here and, uh, you know, go on to whatever we're doing from home, Lord, that you would just be the center of our lives and our focus. For those of us struggling with something, Lord, help us just to turn it over to you. Those of us in need of encouragement, help us to reach out and get it. Lord, uh, we praise you for what you've done in our lives personally, and help us to just be contagious for you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you for joining us and listening to The Carpenter's Son with Pastor Vince Lombardo of Calvary Chapel of Hamilton. Join us next Tuesday at 7 p.m. for The Carpenter's Son on WNJHradio.com.